I wanted so badly to be a good father and I just wasn't doing it. I sure as hell wasn't showing up. Fatherhood and marriage is meant for you to thrive and you've got to learn the lessons to do it. I think that's the epitome of being a masculine man. We're seeing a generation of fathers right now that want to do it better than the generation before us. We also see, are seeing a generation of men who still continue to self-sabotage. Get your ego out of your damn way. You're exactly right. Guiding these boys in from boyhood to manhood is so important. There are paths that you can take that are really good paths that are gonna help you be the best damn father you can be. And they're gonna help us make the world a masculine world again, because without masculinity, we're done. And when we allow our sons to, to be put in the driver's seat, man, some amazing things will happen. It, it truly will. Don't do it alone. You're doing it alone. You're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for stagnation. You're setting yourself up for defeat and a life less worthy than the one the good Lord intended for you to live. When I'm in darkness, when I'm pinned down, or when I'm in trouble, my team is where I go. I ask for help. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Okay, welcome to the Sovereign Man Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou, and we have a very special guest for you here today. Today's guest is a man who's been on my business podcast, and I've had the privilege of being on his podcast. He is one of the leading authorities on fathers and fatherhood. He runs the Dad Edge Mastermind Program for fathers. He also hosts a podcast, oddly enough, called the Dad Edge Podcast, and he's a father of some really great kids. The man is passionate about helping fathers. The man is passionate about helping men be better men. It's a privilege and an honor to have him here. Welcome, Larry. Larry Hagner. Nikki, man, good to see you again. Good to see you again, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Ditto. Likewise. Likewise. So, Larry, for the benefit of uh, my listener, would you mind giving us your background, how you decided to get involved in the space, why you're so passionate about it? Let's begin there. Yeah, man. So this this really um, started for me when I was probably a kid. You know, I, I grew up and I'm happy to give you as much detail as you want, but I basically grew up with without a father figure for about half my childhood. The other half was spent usually with some sort of toxic individual that my mom was either dating at the time or married. My mom was married a total of three times uh, in her life. I mean, at this point, it could be another, I, I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, we, I, I really grew up with this sort of um, just chaotic environment. You know, a lot of partying, a lot, you know, not me doing the partying, but a lot of alcohol, a lot of partying, uh, a lot of toxicity, a lot of physical, mental, emotional abuse. And I don't say that out of, out of pity whatsoever. I actually, you know, I, I'm, I'm, thankful for my childhood. I'm thankful for the adversity. I'm thankful for the adversity because, you know, it taught me a lot. It was, it was a couple of uh, punches to the chin, you know, and, and, and for good, for good lessons that I still use today. So 
I didn't have a bio, I didn't have a relationship with my biological father at all. My mom and him were you know, married for four years before they had me. Uh, when I was about nine months old, they got divorced. I uh, never knew him actually at all. And uh, in fact, in my mind, um, you know, I just sort of appeared. I thought that's what kids, you know, what happened. That's how parents had kids. They just sort of appear and moms go out and find dads. And my mom hadn't found my dad yet. When I was four, uh, she started dating a man, introduced me to him. They got married. And uh, that's who I thought my dad was until they got divorced. And when I was 10 and once they got divorced and, and that was a really, really ugly relationship, a ton of abuse, a ton of craziness absolute chaos. Uh, I started asking questions. I'm like, Hey, like, I remember this guy coming into our lives when I was like four. And now that I know about the birds and the bees, like, where did I come from? And that's my mom told me like, Hey, I was actually married uh, before and you have a, a actually a biological father. And I'm like, Oh my God, she showed me the wedding album. And, and I was like, Holy crap. Like I had no idea. Uh, one thing led to another when I was 12, a couple of years later, uh, I had the opportunity to meet him. And it was very unexpected. It, it was totally random, actually. And we had this relationship. He was remarried at the time. I uh, had a two-year-old son, another one on the way. And we hung out for like six months. And it was awesome, man. I uh, I remember like feeling the excitement that my real father was in my life. Like I immediately started calling him dad. I was really excited to spend time with him. He came to my little league baseball games. He came to my little league volleyball games. At the time I was playing volleyball and my basketball games. And I was like, man, this is so cool. Like, not only do I have a dad in my life, but I have my real dad. He was, like I said, remarried at the time. And then it was right around four or five months into the relationship. Things just kind of started to change a little bit. And I was like, this is, it just didn't feel right. And the best way I can describe it and the best way I think the audience would understand is that if you've ever, think back to a woman that you've dated that you really like, and you know, she's not into you anymore, but she just hasn't told you yet. You just feel it. You know, it's coming. You, you know, the conversation's coming. It just hasn't happened yet. And you're just trying to hold on to see if like this relationship will work out because you really like her. And that's pretty much the way I felt. And one day I just called him, you know, 12 years old. I just picked up the phone. I'm like, Hey man, like, is everything okay? Like, I just feel that like, I can't remember what words I used. They probably weren't this sophisticated, but it's like, I feel like when I'm around you, something's wrong, you know, like you're stressed out or overwhelmed and I don't hear from you that much anymore. You're not coming to my games as much. And is dad do something wrong? I think that was really the premise. And I just remember, I don't even remember the words my dad used, but it was right along the lines of like, Hey, it's me. It's not you. Uh, I'm trying to start over. This is really, really hard for me. It's, and it's confusing to my family. And, you know, and basically the, the end result of that conversation was he departed my life again. And that was really hard, man. I, uh, at that age, when you're 12, 13 years old, you're going from boyhood to manhood. And when your dad is gone out of the picture for the second time, you really start to like get into a pretty bad headspace, which I did. I failed the eighth grade. I gave up on school. I, uh, had to repeat eighth grade over again. It was really one of the most humiliating experiences of my life. I couldn't go to my eighth grade graduation, had to start in a new school. Just literally thought I was a failure. Looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened to me made good grades the second go around, uh, got into an actual all boys college prep high school. It's hard to get into, went on to college, graduated. And my mom just continued to date and get married to all these really crazy, toxic dudes as I grew up. And when I finally graduated college, married my college sweetheart, I'm out in the working world, 30 years old, uh, married for a couple of years, had a highly successful career in medical device sales, um, first son on the way, this was back in 2006 and I'm sitting in a coffee shop 
in St. Louis where we ha- had a weekly meeting with my sales team every Monday morning or Friday morning. It doesn't really matter. I can't remember which one it was, but I just remember looking up and this gentleman caught my attention and I looked up over at him and I was like, holy crap, there's my father, my biological father. Hadn't seen him since I was 12. Here I am 30 years old, married, you know, another kid, our first kid on the way, you know, in a successful career. And one of the women who was on my team at the time, like looked at me and she's like, hello, like, are you still here? Like talking about business, you know? And I'm just like, sorry, sorry. I was like, my, my father just walked in the coffee shop and she's like, wait, what? So I told her and she's like, well, are you going to go talk to him? I'm like, no, I'm not going to go talk to him. Like, nothing to say to the guy, nothing. And without another word, she just got up and went over to him. I had no idea what she was doing. I was like, what in the world is she doing? She went over, sat down next to him on the couch that he was sitting at sipping his coffee. They were far enough away from me that I didn't know what they were saying, but I could read his lips. And I saw him say, where is he? And he started looking around and then our eyes met. And like, when you haven't seen your father since you were the ripe old age, young age of 12, and the last thing he told you was, hey, it's me, it's not you. Um, there's a lot of feelings that get brought up, a lot of confusion, a lot of fight or flight. I'm like, do I hit him? Do I run away? Do I go to the bathroom? Do I tell him to go screw himself? Am I nice to him? What do I do here? He came walking over. He shook my hand. He's like, Hey, you know, Hey, how are you? And I'm like, I'm fine. How are you? You know? So I wasn't nice, but I wasn't a complete ass to him. I was just sort of right in the middle. And then he asked me, he's like, are you two married? Like he asked me about the woman. I was like, no, I was like, we work together. I was like, I'm married. I was like, I actually have a son on the way. And so one thing led to another and he asked me if I'd go to breakfast with him. And I was kind of reluctant to it. And I was like, yeah, if you want. I was like, here's my card. At the time we were giving out business cards. Call me if you want. He wrote me an email basically describing like how sorry he was. He had been thinking about me for the past 18 years. Never a day has gone by where he hasn't thought about that decision. So I accepted and we went to, went to breakfast. And here's what I can tell you. Here's, we are here 17 years later. Still have a relationship with him. I have a, he's still married to the same woman over 40 years. I've got a great relationship with my two half brothers. I'm actually going to be in my youngest brother's wedding later this year. And it, it yeah, it, it turned out to be a really cool experience. But here's what I can tell you also. It didn't come with without a lot of work and some mindset that's involved in there. So no doubt about it, I felt really wronged as a kid, especially now that I have my own sons and so do you, is that... How in that? So, and we've had this conversation where I sat him down once and I'm like, let's get this hashed out one time and then let's move on. What the hell happened, man? Like, that was kind of like, can you give me your side of the story here? Because, like, there's a part of me, dude, that's pretty pissed. Right. Uh, (laughs) Right. And he did. He was very forthcoming, very humble, very honest, very authentic. And how, and I was like, all right, from this moment on, the plan is, is we are going to create the best of what could be in our relationship. And we don't have to talk about the past anymore. And we were both on board with that. So there's something to be said, I think, for for forgiveness, right? And then being able to have the mindset to move on. And that's what we've done. And that edge really came from that experience, but also came from my own experience of not showing up very well for my own sons. Like my, I didn't start that edge until my oldest was six. My youngest time was four. We didn't have four kids at that point. And I was in a lot of darkness, man, a lot of darkness. I wanted so badly to be a good father and I just wasn't doing it. I wasn't being extreme or horrible. I wasn't abusing anybody, but I sure as hell wasn't showing up. I was kind of like right there in the middle and to be real honest with you, it's that's a dangerous place to be. Is like, oh, it's, it's okay, I'm surviving. Man, don't survive. Like 
fatherhood and marriage is meant for you to thrive and you've got to learn the lessons to do it. And that's, you know, finally, thank God I woke up and started doing the work and been doing the work now for better, better part of 11, 12 years now. That's quite a story, man. And I've heard the story before because when I have friends and we know each other, but it still jolted me like an electric live wire would. Um, first of all, kudos to you for being a bigger man with, with your biological father and having a relationship with him and not having a relationship with your half-brothers. I think that's the epitome of being a masculine man, being able to get past that. You know, this is really interesting because um, in my life right now, I'm dealing with a couple of people that have been friends and clients. And let's just say we've had a significant disagreement um, involved the raising of voices and, and, and certain behavior on, 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 on both parts. And, um, you know, for me, after a period of time, I said, you know what, I'm not happy with some of the things that happened, but Hey man, you know, like we're men, I'm going to call it apologize. Wanting them to do the same. We're going to hug. We're going to, we're going to shake hands. We're going to move on. And, I was ready to do that. They aren't, <laughs> you know, they aren't candidly, they aren't. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's a little disappointing, uh, but it's also speaks to the kind of world that we live in. A lot of men have been feminized. That's a bit of feminized behavior, right? Uh, you know, uh, when you're, um, when I was growing up, little boys would get into fights in uh, schoolyards, but 10 minutes later, they'd be the best of friends. Little girls would get into fights and they still hate each other 50 years later. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's kind of what happened. So kudos to you for being a bigger man and making that happen. But kudos to you for taking your um, honest, heartfelt uh, experience in life and turning it into a victory, turning it into something, Larry, that really first and foremost uh, allows you to get out there and do God's work and make a difference for men and children. Um, and also doing something that allows you to do what you were put here on this earth to do. So kudos for all that, brother. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you bet. You bet. So let's talk a little bit about the state of fatherhood in the world today. So what's your take on the state of fatherhood in the world in 2022? That's a big question, man. That is such, such a big question. Cause you know, in the space that I'm in, I deal obviously with all the wins and all the successes. And I also deal with uh, all the darkness that men face, right? And all the excuses and all the BS and all the stories that we tell ourselves that we live through. And here's, here's what I can tell you. Th these, this is the good thing. We're seeing a generation of fathers right now that want to do it better than the generation before us. And what I'll tell you is that I think the generation before us and the generation before them uh, they did it the best they could. They did they did the best job they could with what they had at the time. Uh, and what I can tell you is that men no longer view themselves as just providers, right? What they really want is they want an incredible connection with their kids. They want to make memories. They want to have conversations. They want to teach life lessons. They want to do it at a level that I I personally think we've never seen. They want to, and they're hungry for the information. You know, podcast downloads prove that, that men are very eager to be like, Hey man, 
give me some ideas, give me some know-how, give me some strategy. Like again, you know, I want the information, give me the map, give me the map. So I think that's a beautiful thing. But I also think um, what, what's dangerous is that this is the first generation where we now have resources at our fingertips. So what I mean by that is this is still new to men, right? And we still, even though we have men who are interested and eager to learn new things, we also see, are seeing a generation of men who still continue to self-sabotage themselves. And if you want, I'm happy to give you an example of exactly what I'm talking about. I was about to ask you, give me yeah. an example. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So give me one second here. I'll pull up an example for you. Okay. I'm going to read you two different messages from two different people. Okay. So this is from a brand new member in Dad Edge Alliance. Okay. And I think this really shows that um, men are very eager to, to really step up. And they're really unsure about what happens when you do step up, right? Yeah. So here, here's a message. His name's Mike. Just joined the Alliance. Hey, brother, just wanted to check in. I sat in on two virtual masterminds last night alone. One was with Sage. He's one of our team captains. The other was with Ben. Both groups had an amazing dynamic. I woke up this morning with a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. It's truly amazing what, what a group like the Data Alliance can do. I find that I don't have enough men in my life and tend to put more pressure in, on my wife as a result and in my own headspace. Today, I honestly feel a huge shift in my perspective and in my mindset. I'm looking forward to seeing my growth in the future. And thank you so much for creating this and all of your help. And I wrote him back and I said, brother, I'm not surprised. This is, the, this is only the beginning. And he mentioned back, it's insane how it can totally shift your mindset. Okay, so that that's that's one, right? And I, I I get I am honored and privileged that I get to see this type of feedback every day, right? Now, I'm going to read you another one, and this is fresh off the presses, brother. Like, and I'm talking 30 minutes ago. Had a guy who's been in Dad Edge Alliance for a while, right? For four or five months, um, wrote my assistant saying that he wanted to quit. Now, if, about a month ago, he wanted to quit. I was like, hey, man, is every, I, I just kind of got this feeling. It was a, sort of a dark message, right? So I reached out to him. I'm like, hey, man, like what's going on, right? And he was very authentic and open. And he's like, hey, you know, like, listen, I'm, I'm trying to elevate my marriage. Um, you know, it's good, but it's not great. You know, we've got two boys. Um, I'm trying to learn how to date my wife again because our marriage has just got stagnant. You know, I'm, I'm a, I work as an engineer. You know, my, my, my job doesn't necessarily bring me a whole lot of joy. He's like, the, the problem that I'm having in the Alliance is, is I feel that I can't reach out for help. And I dug a little deeper on that. What do you mean? Like, that's what we're all about, man. And he totally owned it. He's like, to be honest, this is all me. He's like, I don't want to be the guy who's bitching. I don't want to be the guy who's negative, right? I don't want to ask for help. Now, granted, this guy is young. He's in his late 20s. So he hasn't learned, like, listen, You've followed my podcast. I've, I've had the pleasure and the distinct honor of interviewing amazing, high-level, elite special forces operators, Navy SEALs, Green Berets, other special forces. All of them, Nikki, have said the same thing. When I'm in darkness, when I'm pinned down, or when I'm in trouble, 
My team is where I go. I ask for help. And guess what? My team is more than happy to answer the call. And always that's the hardest thing for me to do is ask for help. But after I get the help, holy crap, am I so glad that I did? Because not only when I ask for help, I find that to be contagious. Because now that I've opened the door of like, hey, this is where I need some help. This is where I need some guidance. I need an objective point of view. I need advice. I need leadership. I need something. Yeah. What usually happens is the law of reciprocity where that man will lean back into me and be like, hey, man, I actually need your help. So let me just share with you this, this text message fresh off today. Hey, man, I got an email from Jamie, who's my assistant. I was under the impression that we were meeting later this week. So I was surprised to see that you requested to cancel your membership to Dadage Alliance. I was under the impression you were staying and we were going to do a few different things to, together. And I was going to give you some strategies on how to win even more than you have in the past couple of weeks. This is his response. I'm just getting more and more depressed. My life is just a collection of unfinished things and I need to cut out everything. Maybe have just one hobby and that's it. Now I'm going to give you the psychology behind that, but I'm going to read my response first. Brother, this is the prime example of disappearing into the shadows when darkness sets in. If I can give you any advice, this is the time to lean into the group more than ever. Isolation is the enemy of excellence, and this is your call. But I've seen this a thousand times, and it never ends well. Now, the psychology behind his text of like, I just need to cut out everything, that goes to the extreme nature and mentality of most men out there. And that, that's where we really need to freaking check ourselves, man. If you're asking me what's one thing fathers can do better is don't be so damn extreme with your choices. And when things go dark, you just got to freaking rip the bandaid off and go extreme. That never lasts. It, I've never seen one time where that will actually be a lasting solution. In fact, what it usually does is it puts that man deeper into the hole that he's already in. So he, he responded back. I guess I just don't know how to ask for help. I don't just want to sit there and bitch about my life. There's nothing drastically wrong. I'm just never going to do or amount to anything. Now, Whoa. right. So I responded. Now, listen, I'm going to read his last two sentences again. There's nothing drastically wrong. I'm just never going to do or amount to anything. And this is my response. Brother, I love you. And I say this out of love. Read those last two sentences to yourself. And I want you to gut check to, to tell me if you actually believe that. Because they're complete and total polar opposites of each other. There's nothing drastically wrong. I'm just never going to do or amount to anything. Are you freaking kidding me right now? Like, this is the shit, Nikki, that I'm like, get your ego out of your damn way. Because what this is doing is you are running your, you're digging your own freaking mental and emotional grave right now, my friend. This is what pisses me off. <laughs> you think your son, I know this guy, you think your son wants to see his dad in a mindset like that? What do you think your son is going to do with his own life, watching his dad walk around. I'm nothing, nothing is drastically wrong. I'm just never going to do or amount to, I'm never going to do anything or amount to anything. And the, the tough love I have with the, for this guy is, do you want your son in 20 years to say the same thing that you just said to me? What would you tell him, right? So this was my response. I'm being real with you. No one ever got anywhere by themselves. When the darkness sets in, we need help from others. I've interviewed some of the most elite operators and special forces on the planet. And what I can tell you is all of them have had the same message. When I'm in trouble, pinned down or in darkness, I ask for help with, from my team. The team is always there, ready to step up. If Navy SEALs, Green Berets, special forces, 
all these people who are warriors need to lean into their team. Why can't the everyday man? And he basically responded, said, I don't know how to ask for help. I've never been a part of a team. I don't know even what that means. I'm just an average guy in the middle of the pack. Good enough not to bring down the average, but not good enough to achieve anything or provide anything worth value. And I just asked him, this is literally, I haven't even read this one yet. I said, is that truly what you believe? Or do you want more? More would be nice, but it always seems to turn into false hope. It's like I ne- it's a never-ending cycle of what if, or just maybe. Seems like I could, should just accept defeat. It would cause less stress. Now, listen, that's the end of it. That's two different men. And what I can tell you, one man dives in and engages, asks for help. The other man is going to throw himself a damn pity party, live in that victim mentality. And guess what? That is, going, that is the contagious cycle of poor fatherhood of a man who lives in his own damn head, won't get out of his own way, and now is going to put that on his own kids because his own kids are going to see that. They're going to watch that. And guess what? That's what they're going to do. And that's what pisses me off is that men think that my own learnings, my own skill sets, my own help, the things that I'm trying to improve upon stops with me. Man, it doesn't stop with you. That is passed down to your kids. It's going to be pat. You're going to see it in your grandkids. These are legacy things that, so it's bigger than who you are. It's bigger than just you. This is like your family. It's your community and it's the world. Things are contagious, whether they're positive or negative and everything like, listen, I could throw this guy any line possible. Here's a free membership to the community. How can I help you? I'll get on calls with you. This guy will never take action if he's in that mindset. And that's what pisses me off. Sorry, that was a rant. <laughs> it was good. Actually, I like that you use the story and I like that you use an example of two men. Um, one man who's ready to ask for help, another one who isn't. But let's listen, the people that join organizations like that Edge Alliance, let's be perfectly honest, they're few and far in between. One of the things that I say, one of the reasons I started Sovereign Man is because you pushed me to do it. It's all your fault, Larry. <laughs> so, you know, and what hit me was, I remember what you said to me. I said, well, there's a lot of guys doing this work already. And you said to me, there's not enough guys doing this work. And it, it made me think, if there were 10,000 Larry Hagners, each of whom led a group of 10,000 men. That's just a hundred million men. That's all it is. And globally, that's nothing. Now, if we had 10,000 Larry Hagners and Ryan Micklers and Nikki Baloos and Bedros Koulians, I don't know if I pronounced that dude's name right. No, you did. Uh, yeah. And we each had 10,000 men in our group. That's four times 10,000, it's just 40,000 men. That's not even a small town, man. That's right. You know, it's nothing. So we need to reach more men. And it's one of the reasons I do what I do and you do what you do. But the reality is most men aren't a part of something like this. What is the state of fatherhood out there in the world, outside of organizations like yours? I think that's really based on, I, I'll give you my overall view. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll answer this with a quote. Isolation is the enemy of excellence. That's a right? good quote. I like that a lot. Yeah. And it's not my quote. That's Aaron Walker's. So I love that quote. Uh, he, Aaron's a great friend. He's been on the podcast twice. Isolation is the enemy of excellence. If you're a Christ follower, yeah, Jesus, Christ, Jesus Christ had a band of brothers, right? 
Um, maybe if faith is not your thing, maybe it's the battle of Thermopylae, you know, the Spartans versus the Persians. Leonidas did not defeat them all by himself. He had his band of brothers of 300, right? Um, you know, anybody, right? <laughs> all right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I want you to think of it like this. Uh, one of my most favorite all-time movies, and this is a man's movie. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen it, Nikki. Shawshank Redemption. Absolutely. If you really dissect that movie, Shawshank, it's actually a beautiful story of how the right band of brothers can literally see and get you through anything. And it's also very, very dark. And let me explain both. So Tim Robbins, right? He's, um, he is accused of doing a crime, killing his wife that he did not commit. It was somebody else. He has to serve a life sentence now at Shawshank, which is a maximum security prison. Lots of abuse going on. The guards are, you know, corrupt. So is the warden. Um, and you know, you, you got freaking, you know, gay inmates that are chasing you around, trying to rape you and stuff like that. Horrible maggot filled food from the cafeteria. But there was one thing that kept those guys sane. And that was their band of brothers. So if you look at that movie, Tim Robbins had Morgan Freeman also had a guy named Brooks also. And there's a few other guys in there. They ate lunch together. They broke bread together. They, they talked philosophy together. They played chess together. They had deep conversations around their mentality. They leaned in when they, when they were helpless, when they were hopeless, right? They got guidance and each man took turns of dark times. I remember when Brooks was being released, he held a knife to one of the guy's throats and was like, I, I can't go. Like, I know that this is all I know in life. I can't be released into the real world. It's terrifying me. I almost killed a guy over it, right? And it was his band of brothers that talked him down. Okay, man, I got you. Let's talk about this. Brooks, look at his neck. He's bleeding. Right? His band of brothers were there from They hugged him. They're like, hey, man, let's talk. Right? Now, that's the beautiful thing. So, like, that's a long way to say that our lives can be in chaos. We could be, quote unquote, eating terrible food with maggots, right? We could be in one of the worst environments possible. And those things really represent adversity, right? Now, on the flip side, one of the worst things you could do, do you remember the worst punishment in Shawshank? Solitary? Solitary. It was going what they called the hole, right? Two weeks in the hole. They always said this, two weeks in the hole is just hell, right? Because it's isolation. And... So Tim Robbins did something really bad, you know, in, in the eyes of the warden, he had to do 30 days and then he still didn't comply. He did another 30 days, 60 days in the hole. That's torture. That's absolute torture to a man or to a human being is being isolated. Now, what I can tell you is what most men and most dads with the life that they're living right now is what I like to call the drift, right? So that's, that's not necessarily putting most men in the best light, but it is what it is. The drift is the wash, rinse, repeat. You have surface level relationships. Everything is good, fine, busy. You live your life in two separate worlds, either at work or at home or your home or at work. There's really no deviation from that. The men that you have in your life, it is not an iron sharpens iron, solid community usually that a man truly needs. It's more the surface level talk. How's work? Good. How's life? Fine. How's the wife? Great. How are the kids? Oh, we're busy with sports. That's about as deep as we get. And we're living this life within this drift because we think that there's no other way. And we just perceive that, Oh, this is just marriage. This is just fatherhood. This is just the way life happens. And what I can tell you is that's a very lonely place to be. And we're definitely not going to live to our potential unless we have other men in our life that want what's best for us and reciprocity. We want what's best for them. 
And we live life and we do life together. And we don't just do it on a surface level way. So like, listen, Nikki, I don't know you that well, but I know you well enough that if something's going wrong in my marriage, man, and communication's off, intimacy is off, and I'm frustrated as all get out, dude, I feel 100% comfortable that I could pick up the phone. I'm like, do you have 10 minutes? I need to, I need to bounce this off you. And guess what? You're going to be very real with me because why? That's the kind of relationship we have. That's the relationship we have. And you want what's best for me. I do. Right. And I want what's best for you. I wouldn't deny that phone call for you too. And what, what's the, what the problem is here is most men don't have that, but here's the compliment. Most men are in this drift, right? But here's the compliment. Most men, if you ask them, do you want more? Yeah. I want more. Like, I really want more. I want to interrupt the drift. I want to be freaking amazing at this, right? But, but dude, where do I start? How do I do that? And that's, that's the miss. See, the thing is, you're 100% correct about that. And to me, the state of fatherhood in the world, because most people are not in groups like yours. They're not in programs like mine. They're just not. That's the facts, right? Now, we're doing everything we can to reach as many of them as we can. And that's... Big reason why we do our podcasts and run our programs and all that good stuff. But to me, for the men who aren't a part of this, what's going on is not just that they don't have a brotherhood. It's that because they don't have a brotherhood, they are making unintelligent decisions as dads. They are maybe giving in to their kids too too soon. They're maybe being too hard on their kids in some instances. They maybe don't understand what their role, their proper role as a father is to, to boys. They don't understand what their proper role as a father is to, to girls. And they're not doing a great job as a father. So their kids aren't getting what they need in order to set them up for success. Because let's face it, in 2022, kids have it harder than they've ever had it before, right? And without proper parental guidance, proper fatherly guidance, boys are going to not learn what it takes to be masculine, manly boys and manly men. Girls are going to make poor decisions in terms of the guys they end up dating. You know what I mean? And end up being with, and they're, they're going to make other poor decisions. I mean, one of the things that's going on right now is something called hookup culture. Now, hang, hangout culture, sorry, not hookup culture, hangout culture. Now, I don't know if you, you, you know what kids, teenagers mean when they say hang out. They mean they're getting together and having sex. They don't mean they're hanging out at the malt shop. You know what I mean? That's what they mean. And there's young girls who are hanging out with 5, 10, 15 different guys. These are teenagers, you know, teenagers. And this is insane. And to me, part of the reason why this sort of thing's happening is because a lot of men just don't know what the hell they're doing as fathers. Yeah. And it's, um, it's really unfortunate. And, you know, I, listen, I I'll give you guys a resource that I just went through because I've been trying to figure out this myself. And, you know, I, I just went through Bedros Koulian's Squire program with my oldest and I'm taking my 14 year old through it in May, you know, so I'm going through this twice. And so it's, you know, the Squire program is a 15 hour crucible that fathers do with their sons between the ages of 11 and 16. And basically it's a rite of passage in from boyhood to manhood. And what they do is they put you through a, you know, some physical challenges that you do together. 
can't talk about exactly what they are. They're not impossible. They're tough. Uh, they also put you through some mental challenges that are tough, but it's a really great, it's a, it's a great rite of passage for not only sons, but for fathers, because I got to be honest, I never went through a rite of passage. I grew up in a fatherless environment, uh, or a chaotic one as I described. And what I can tell you is that, um, you're exactly right. Guiding these boys in from boyhood to manhood, um, is so important not only for them to learn the life lessons, but for them to have an event. You know, if you, if you look back in cultures and tribes and different things, there was always a rite of passage for sons for you to basically have a seat at the table with the men. Now, some people will be like, well, that's, that's really harsh or that's this or it's that. Let me tell you, there is some beauty that happens through that rite of passage. There are learnings. Like, listen, I'll give you one example. We had to go through that. That program is run by Bedros himself a Navy SEAL, former Green Beret, and Special Forces Marine Recon um, individual. So all military. And what each physical, mental, and emotional evolution and challenge you go through, you really get tested of where's my current skill level. So we went through the first evolution and they basically gave us some basic instructions of what to do. It was hard. When you're doing something physical, it's hard to think clearly. Mm. And you basically see how you perform. And here's the funny thing. I'm just throwing myself out there and being totally authentic. I thought I was a really good communicator. I was a shitty communicator in that first evolution because I, we, we did this thing. We had to run for a quarter mile as fast as we could with sandbags on us. Then we had to go they, Yeah. Then we had to take two empty sandbags, dig, dig up sand, fill, fill them, put them over our shoulders and run back that. And that was only half of it. And one of us had to have the shovel. One of us had to open the sandbags. And what I found is, is I didn't even communicate on a two-way level with my son. I was like, Hey man, hold the sandbag. Here's what we're doing. I just took control, totally took control and then ran with him. We had no, we had no communication of who was doing what, dropped those sandbags off. Then we had to basically grab more things that were heavy, run back down to the same quarter mile and then back. So it's a mile evolution running as fast as you can with heavy things. And what I found was, is other men were communicating with their sons of how they were being most efficient and effective and communicating. And what I found was, is I looked at him after that. I was like, you know what? I failed you in that one big time because all I did was do what dads do. And I just took over. Didn't listen to your opinion. Didn't even ask for your opinion. You didn't talk. I just did all, I barked all the orders. And because of that, I think we missed the boat on communication. And I said that, you know, that Bedros took the dads aside and he's like, Hey, uh, men, what'd you learn from that? And a lot of these guys were saying stuff and I raised my hand. I told him exactly what I told you. And he pointed at me. He goes, that's the lesson. That's the lesson. He goes, that's what we hope you guys learn in that first evolution is how clearly are you communicating to your team and your son? Because they're going to listen to you. And were you, I was getting frustrated. because I was trying to like put the sand in the bag really quickly. He wasn't holding it open as much. So I went to him like, hold the bag open. Come on. Like, and I was just barking orders. And he's like, from here on out, how are you going to communicate now? And I'm like, bro, it's going to be very clear. I'm going to ask for his opinion. We're going to talk. We're going to have strategy. It's, it's going to be a two-way street. He's like, and, and Pedro said, and let him do some of the leading. Let him come up with the ideas. Let him tell you what to do. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, that's freaking beautiful, man. 
because as fathers, we always want to be the guide. We always want to be the guide and we always want to be the guy. And when we allow our sons to, to be put in the driver's seat, man, some amazing things will happen. It, it truly will. Uh, first of all, please connect me with Pedros. I want to have him on my show. Yeah. Secondly, um, it's difficult for Canada and Canadians to move down to the States to do the Squire program. So I want to run by him the idea of partnering with him to have the Squire program done in Canada for Canadian fathers and sons. I know a lot of people here and I think I can, I can organize a decent sized group for that. Uh, I got to put both my boys and I through it, but I'd love to put a whole lot of other men and their sons through it too. I think it'd be a phenomenal thing. But what you're saying is exactly what I think the state of fatherhood is out there right now. The state of fatherhood is the same as the state of masculinity. There's a lot of men like me, like you, like the people that, that follow you, the, some of the people that follow me that are getting it, they're stepping up and they're getting it done. But the vast majority of men and fathers are not. And that to me is why I wanted to have you on the show because I wanted the people to listen to this to realize that this is what's happening. There are paths that you can take that are really good paths that are gonna help you be the best damn father you can be. And they're gonna help us make the world a masculine world again, because without masculinity, we're done. Look at this, right now in North America, in the West, fatherhood and masculinity are being disparaged. And I believe this is a deliberate thing. I mean. I believe this is something that's happening by dark, evil forces out there. But if you look at some of the adversaries that we have on the world stage, like Russia and communist China, boys in those countries are being brought up with manly education. They're being taught how to be masculine. Over here, we're not doing that. So imagine if you got a bunch of boys that have been raised to be sensitive and not masculine, fighting in a war against boys who've taught how to be strong, tough, and masculine. How's that going to go? Well, it probably won't be good, but here, here's where maybe you and I align and maybe we don't. Um, I think that there is room for both. Uh, some of the most elite operators I've had on the podcast are very empathetic, very compassionate people. And I, I do think you have one thing we learned in the Squire program is part of your job is to protect, right? I mean, one of the things that, I mean, I've, I've always been in martial arts, right? For as long, I, I'm very confident, you know, I've, I've done four different styles of martial arts. Um, Krav Maga being probably one of the most um, real, you know, real world, um, along with Hapkido or, you know, you're doing some grappling. I'm going to be starting, I'm going to, I'm going to start jujitsu here in, in the summer because I, I really miss my martial arts, but I, I'm confident that given a situation, I can protect me or my loved ones. I've always had that message with my kids. I was like, you need to know how to defend yourself, whether it's wrestling, whether it's jujitsu, whether it's some sort of ground and pound or you be able to hold somebody down because you there's going to come a day where you have to protect yourself or people that you love and you've got to be able to do that so i think you need to be a protector you need to be a warrior i also think being a protector and a warrior is not the absence of being an insensitive person or an empathetic person or a person who can compassionately have the emotional intelligence to sit down and have deep conversations with your kid about a dark time that they're going through, or your wife being able to connect with her on an empathetic level and being able to listen to her, right? So I, I think in, in real world, we can definitely have both. One is not the absence of others. Like I don't, I don't think an empathetic, compassionate man is, is not cut out to be a warrior. I think he absolutely is. And I think a warrior also has um, 
has it in them to be incredibly compassionate. One, one example that I'll share is one of the instructors from the Squire program. His name is Ray Cash Care. That's his. That's his name. Cash is you know what yeah, is. What I've he, heard of him. I've heard of yeah, him. Yeah, he's outstanding. Came on the podcast just a couple of weeks ago. I interviewed him. This dude is the epitome of masculinity. Tatted up, just ugh, right. Just he's a badass. Um, beard, like don't screw with me, I'll freaking kill you. Right. I mean, like that's that's the persona that he gives. Right. But he's also compassionate. And what I can tell you is that I got to know him at the event. I had him on the podcast, and um, he got emotional on my podcast. And he's like, dude. <laughs> like, man, he's like, your questions, bro, your questions. My God, he's like, freaking make a Navy SEAL cry. Jeez, right? Because I brought up some things that, that, you know, were meaningful to him, but also from a compassionate standpoint. And he really hit that home. He's like, man, listen, come hell or high water, you, if, if something, if you're trying to come between me and my family, I will kill you, right? Any type of threat, I'm here to protect. But man, I'm also sensitive and I'm also compassionate. I'm also empathetic. I also know how to be intimate with my wife. One does one doesn't have to exist without the other. So I thought that was a really cool example of like a guy who does and listen. This guy does a thousand push-ups a day. A thousand. He does. Uh, I think it's twenty push-ups on the minute every minute for an hour, and that equates to over a thousand push-ups. And then on Saturdays he does twenty-two on the minute every minute for an hour. It comes to like thirteen hundred sixty push-ups. I'm like, dude, that's insane. But, um, that's pretty crazy. He's also, yeah, but also has the ability to be an amazing, empathetic, compassionate person at the same time. So look, um, there's a distinction that I make between macho and masculine. Okay? Yeah. So, um, macho is the energy of an adolescent. It's a, it's a preening, uh, kind of tough guy persona, uh, doesn't show any emotion except anger and really is all about, um, look at me, look at how strong and look at how tough I am. And I'm, I'm going to smash you, you know, so people that are in gangs exhibit a lot of macho type behavior. And it's, it's, it's about a little bit of, uh, don't mess with me. Right. And masculine energy is very different. Masculine energy is a lot more calm. It's a lot more settled. It's the energy of an adult. Uh, a masculine uh, man is a man who is able to um, protect, to provide for his family, to lead his family, as Ryan Nickler says, protect, provide, preside. All those things are a macho energy and uh, a masculine energy, excuse me. And 100%, you got to be empathetic uh, and compassionate if you're going to be macho. And part of being able to protect and to provide and to lead is all around having those qualities, you know, there's, um, there, there's an organization whose work I follow. They're called the warrior poets society. And I like to think of myself as a warrior poet. I actually write poetry. That's how I won, won my woman's heart is I, I wrote her 30 love poems a day for 30 days, a love poem a day for 30 days. And I put it in a little booklet and I gave it to her. It's part of what, what got my girl to fall in love with me. There you go. And, and I listen to my children uh, and I listen to their uh, issues and there are times where I have them toughen up, but I also listen to, to what they have to say. And, uh, and, and my youngest boy, he's very sensitive as well. So it's important to, to be open to that sensitivity. 
And when someone's in, in a room with me, if you and I were in the room and you were feeling angry or upset or whatever, I would feel it instantly. And I'd just go to you. I go, Larry, what's wrong? And you go, what are you talking about? I said, look, I feel it, man. There's something coming off of you. And to, to me, uh, a, a man, a masculine man is a man who is a full spectrum man. Uh, Justin Sterling, who who created the Sterling Men's Weekend, and um, it's a program I did that's absolutely fantastic, an incredible men's program. He used to he used to say there are three aspects to uh, a man, a full spectrum man: your um, your Clint, your Gandhi, and your Curly. So Clint, Clint, you're 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 able to like get shit done and make it happen, right? You got that Clint Eastwood type energy. And then you're Gandhi, you're wise and you're, you're caring and compassionate and empathetic and you're curly, you know how to have fun. So man's got to have all those aspects to himself. Oh man, that, that's very true. That encaps, encapsulates, I think, a total man right there, yeah. Yeah, which right. I think is, you know, there, there are several facets to a man and uh, that, that was definitely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Justin's, Justin's a pretty special guy. Uh, yeah. He's uh, learned a lot from doing the work that he's done. All right, so, you know, Larry, I um, really like the level of thought that you've put into issues of men, masculinity, and manhood. You're very deep thinkers. I consider you to be a real thought leader in this space. So if a man today is a father, he's on the verge of becoming a father, what are the top three things that you believe that man needs to have his eye on in order to do his job right? Great question. And I think most importantly, you have to redefine and reframe your perspective of learning how to be a father. Here's what, here's what I mean. Uh, listen, fatherhood, a lot of us have this perspective before we even have kids. Even we have this perspective of marriage as well. We have this perspective. I don't need any help. This is what people do. So I'll just figure it out along the way. That's really unfortunate right out of the gate, you are setting yourself up for absolute disaster, potentially. You could get lucky, right? And things might just work out on their own, but I, I've yet to see that happen more than a handful of times, if ever, if I'm being real. So you have to look at fatherhood and marriage as a practice and, as a, and, and be open to learning and be open to having mentors. Because listen, uh, if you were a previous military or active military, I want you to think of this example. If you showed up to your first day of basic training and they basically said, there is no more basic training today, you are a Navy officer or whatever it is that you're in. Here's your uniform. Here's your firearm. You're being deployed tomorrow into battle. You're going straight to the, you're, you're going straight to the gunfight. What would happen to that person? They would be killed in minutes probably. And that's winging it, right? You have to be trained. And it doesn't even matter. You don't have to be in the military. Think of whatever it is you do as a profession. Maybe you're in IT. Maybe you're in engineering. You know, if you're an engineer and you're building like highways, right? And they're just like, hey, we don't have any more schooling for engineers. But don't worry. You can draw well. And we know you want to do this. So just uh, do the best you can. And we'll, we'll make that highway happen. Like for the love of God, it's, it's disastrous. So if you think about it, that's the same way we go about marriage and fatherhood. And I encourage and invite men, do not do that. You have to have people who are in your corner. You've got to have a corner man. You've got to have mentors. You got to have a team. You've got to have community. You've got to have people that are ahead of you 
in the game so that they can give you a point in the right direction. You've got to start those relationships early. So that's, that's number one. Number two, I will say this, you mentioned fatherhood. Listen, if, if you're, the statistics don't lie when it comes to marriage, you've got to get your, your act together with marriage, you and your wife. The statistics don't lie in the US, divorce rates 51%. Here's the fascinating thing. The people that stay together, most people don't talk about this because they don't even know it. The people that actually stay together, the 49% of couples that stay together are actually equally divided up into three camps. Camp number one, the first 33%. They're all 33%, 33%, 33%. The first one third of couples that stay together can actually identify their relationship is working. And it's pretty much everything that they thought it would be. And there's a common theme and denominator there. And I'll get to that in a second. The second camp, the next one third is like, eh, it's all right, I guess. I mean, we're surviving. It's okay. Like I read you that text message. That guy has the same marriage I'm talking about. It's okay. It's not anything special. Settling. It's okay. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Divorce is too much trouble. And then the third camp, this is the one you don't want to be in. The third camp is we're completely and totally strangers. We are emotionally, physically, completely disconnected. We're living under the same roof as strangers. And we're basically just waiting for the kids to move out before we get divorced because for some crazy reason, we think that we need to stay together for them because that's what's best for them. So what I can tell you is the common denominator with the, with the if you really look at the numbers, only 12 to 15% of, of all marriages, everybody walks down the aisle, 12 to 15% are successful. Yep. And so think about that. The common denominator is this, the couples that are successful grow together. They never stop learning. They never stop learning skills around communication, intimacy. They know that love is a choice. They know in order to elevate the marriage, there has to be a ton of work that's involved. It doesn't just happen by accident. So, so learn the skills, learn the processes and do them because that's what's going to set you apart. The final thing I'll say is this, the same goes for fatherhood. Do not go at fatherhood alone because it will be a lonely, horrible battle that won't serve you well. And it's not going to serve your kids well. I've seen this you know, almost a thousand episodes on Dad Edge, right? Experts in their field. Not one of them ever has told me I did fatherhood all by myself and I was 100% successful with it. Wouldn't have had it any other way. Said no one ever. I don't care who you are. Said right? no one ever. Said no one uh, ever. Ever. So yeah, go, go with the exact same approach as you do with anything. Like, listen, if you want to, if you've never shot a firearm, Hire an instructor to show you how to load your weapon. I'm straight. <laughs> look, look down your scope, right? Same thing with hunting. Not Don't, shoot your toes off. <laughs> not shoot your toes off, right? If you've never been fly fishing, like, listen, go learn how to do it, right? These skills don't happen by accident. Some of the driving, it's the same thing. You can't get a license unless you learn how to drive. No one says, yeah, man, you're 16. Here's your license. No test required. No nothing. No experience behind the wheel. Best of luck. You'll do fine. You've seen your parents drive for 16 years, so it's got to be easy. <laughs> but yet that's how we go about these other areas. Larry, that, those are really, really great points that you made. And, you know, inside of the work I do with business owners and entrepreneurs, I tell them, don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. You're doing it alone. You're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for stagnation. You're setting yourself up for defeat and a life less worthy than the one the good Lord intended for you to live. And the same is true for fathers. The same is true for men. 
The same is true for women. The same is true for everyone. Don't do anything alone. Be part of a great community. Dad Edge is a great community. Sovereign Circle is a great community. You know, Ryan Mickler's Order of Man's a great community. Groups for women are great communities. If you're a man and you're not part of a community, you got to go check out Dad Edge if you're a dad. Okay, check out Order of Man. Check out Sovereign Circle. You got to do this. And you got to bring other men that you know that are going through that life of quiet desperation along with you. Because I'm telling you, Larry Hagner over here, you can take on probably a thousand more men in that edge easily, easily. And we got to get you a thousand more men in that edge in 2022. You know what I'm saying? But we got to go for it. And Ryan Mickler, he needs a thousand more men in his group in this year. And in Sovereign Circle, we need a thousand more men in our group. And guess what? That's only 3,000 men. (laughs) That's like a village, brother. That's like a village of men that we're going to help get. So we got to not only do that ourselves, we got to find other men of goodwill that are willing to step up and lead and create communities. Because if just the three of us do it, the world ain't going to change. I'm not just here to have... Your, your group be running great, or my group be running great, or Ryan's group be running great. I'm here to change the freaking world. Agreed. We need more men to do this. Masculinity needs it. 100 million men need to be in these types of alliances and brotherhoods. 100 million men. You're going to be with me, Larry. You're going to help get those next group of men like you did with me. You forced me off my butt because that's what we got to do. That is what we got to do, man. I freaking love it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Listen. If you're in the audience and you're you're hearing this message, like it's it's your duty, man, to do something about this. Right? I mean, we've got the resources now. We didn't 30 years ago. We got them now. So, you know, now it's really up up to you. You know, are you going to are you going to engage in resources like this or just continue to live the average life? Like, listen, I I I read a text message from an individual. If that's you, I'm telling you right now. Life does not have to be that way. Life can actually be the first text message that I wrote, that I read uh, from our from our newest member, Mike. Um, it's ultimately the choice is yours. The help is here. The community is here. You know, the platforms are here. The learnings are here. All you got to do is show up, be ready to learn. That's it. Amen. And implement. Amen, man, brother. Listen, man. It it's been incredible having you here on the show today. I got to tell you, I've, I've had a blast. Thank you so much for, for joining me and um, God bless you for all the incredible things that you do and all the amazing men that you help. One of the men that listened to you on my business podcast called me up and said he joined your Alliance. So that's, that was pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gene Takashima. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. He's good dude. Good dude. Really yeah. Good dude. Yeah. So, um, uh, let's hope some more men do the same out of listening to this particular episode and uh, uh, brother lets you and I stay in touch and do what we do in order to serve the men. And um, once again, man, God bless you. Thank you. And it's been a real honor having you here on the show. Back at you, my friend, back at you. God bless. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the sovereign man podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.